the Peak Performance Mentor Podcast, the podcast for coaches and athletes where we talk about mentoring and developing athletes of significance. Each week, we interview coaches, sports industry experts, and leadership gurus to mentor you beyond the X's and O's on your quest to achieve significance and peak performance in your personal life, professional career, and with the teams that you coach. Your attitude unlocks the energy of the inner self that gives you the drive, the ambition, and the, uh, I don't know, the, the magic of being able to play with excellence. And uh, if you don't have that attitude, uh, you're trying to open up a combination lock that, that has no numbers on it, that has no letters on it. You're, you're just spinning the dial. So you've got to have your, your attitude dialed in so that you can open that key so that all the other things fall into place. Episode 18. Our guest today is Rick Miller. And Rick has been a colleague and a friend of mine for the last year. And we've got connected on a, I guess it was a mastermind that we got connected on. And when we got connected on that mastermind, I was really drawn to Rick's and his experiences, and I thought he'd be a great guest for our podcast. Rick is a seasoned professional speaker of both large and small audiences. He has a background in higher education, entertainment, and event and facility management, all key aspects of sports. He is the executive director of the Center for Applied Leadership, and his key focus is on developing groups and personal development programs coaching utilizing the strengths that you have in order to improve your performance and he has a he likes to teach challenging courses as well as have serious fun and in indoor experiential team leadership building programs I've actually reached out to Rick a couple of times to help me on my own programs help me grow and speak into how I'm going to develop my programs Rick again I just thank you for being on the program I know things are tough for you nowadays but to, to, for you to come in and spend some time with us on our program is just fantastic. Did we miss anything or anything you want to add personally about your life? I think you got it pretty well covered there. The uh, uh, I love creating tools and apps and books and exercises that uh, help coaches and speakers uh, bring their stuff to life so that it becomes more memorable. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I appreciate the, the couple things you've helped me on as, as I've been able to use them in my workshops. Rick, you've been a mentor to me in, in that regard, and we've had a number of different discussions. But we're, when we get into our first half, we really want to talk about your mentors and have you speak into this idea of mentorship and how mentorship helps us grow, helps us see beyond where we're at. Can you share with us maybe one or two of your mentors that you've had in your life and how they've helped you grow and become significant? Yeah, uh, I, I, I'd say I, I was a, a double winner when I got the father that I got. Uh, he, he was actually my first mentor, and he was a businessman and a, and a contractor and an educator, and he would never, ever answer a question directly. He'd always uh, answer it with another question or uh, give me a solution uh, that I had to make choices. Uh, and so I learned I learned a lot about business. I learned a lot about construction. I learned a lot about uh, the people side of things from my father. But I guess the most important thing, 
I learned about uh, how, how to be a, a, a man uh, and a person of influence that uh, didn't keep it to himself. And it was, it's a, it, it was great. And through, through him, he introduced me to a professional mentor uh, way back when, a guy named Zig Ziglar, when I made the decision that I wanted to become a speaker and uh, uh, take a different uh, road than higher ed, he said, well, I've been waiting for you to, to say that, so let me introduce you to one of my friends. And so I, I didn't even know Dad knew Zig Ziglar. <laughs> wow. <And> so <laughs> he, uh, he introduced me to Zig, and Zig said, well, you're coming in on at a good time. I've got a guy I'm working with that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn you loose with, and that guy's name is Brian Flanagan. <laughs> and uh, Brian Flanagan, I don't know if you've ever bumped into him or not, but he's literally everywhere. He, uh, through Zig, gave me my my start uh, and uh, kept me from doing really, really uh, stupid things, but also guided it. They gave me, uh, well, what do you call them, guardrails to keep uh, my enthusiasm curbed and focused in the right direction and uh, everything. I mean, this was like in 19... 19- Eighty-one, you know, a long, long time ago. Um, it, that I still remember some of the things that, you know, they said uh, in a very strong and personal way that uh, come to mind every single day. And uh, so, forever indebted to <clears throat> to Zig, but also Brian. Uh, still and still keep in contact with them. Uh, I, I grew from their mentoring because uh, uh, they would ask questions that were what I call uh, like in a, a cold capsule, a time release capsule, that they would ask questions and you go, what does that have to do with what I'm going through now? Later, it would, uh, a situation would pop up and I go, ah, that's what it meant. And I remember standing in the, the parking lot there one day, and, and Brian asked me, he said, all right, you're just getting started. You haven't even really booked your first date yet, but I want to ask you a question that you're going to have to, to deal with. What are you going to do when you're so busy that you have no days left for you, you're away from your family way too much, how are you going to deal with a totally booked calendar that's, uh, say, two years ahead? Have you thought about that? And I just started laughing. I said, well, Brian, I'll gladly deal with that problem when it gets here. Well, it, it came. Uh, right. It came earlier than I thought. Uh, and uh, Zig had said, wow, you, you, you've created in a year what it takes uh, most of the folks we work with as, as speakers uh, many, many, many years. Plus, you've already developed a product stream. You've developed a network. <clears throat> you've developed uh, 
published material, uh, man, I tell you what, uh, you're going to be answering Brian's uh, big question pretty soon. And and sure enough, it was uh, uh, the next year or so that I, I, my calendar was full two years in advance. I didn't even have time to be sick. I was on the road 280 days a year. Um, and I went back to Brian, and he said, I ask you to think about that question. Uh, do you have any answers? And uh, I said, well, uh, you know, there's several things that we could do to solve that. He goes, all right, let me ask you a question on top of that. How, how will those solutions not create more problems? Uh, for example, if you raise your price uh, to uh, to a a cutoff limit that people can't afford, will that be enough to uh, sustain your old customers? Uh, will you will you lose your base? You know, and he just kept asking questions like that, and I was like, whoa. He said, that's why I asked you that question, because many people, even though they're working towards success, never plan on what happens when it hits them. And I realized then that I had been living my life uh, with a strong case. Usually we have a fear of failure. Uh, I had a fear of success. I didn't, I didn't want to deal with what happens when, not if, but what happens when this happens. And so I had to uh, uniquely solve that, and I, I did it by... Uh, duplicating myself by bringing on other speakers. Uh, again, that was a model that um, Zig had, had used successfully. I brought people into the organization that had common beliefs and values, that uh, we had uh, similar experiences, uh, but it, it enabled me to diversify uh for gender and race and uh, background, where if they had been booking me year after year, then all of a sudden they could have somebody that was uh, from the medical field or they had somebody that was a, a female or they had somebody that had been an athletic uh, coach. And so uh, that was was how we solved the problem. And then uh, the, the big thing is uh, letting them go. And uh, I guess we we switched into the John Maxwell model that, that you're familiar with, is trusting people with your information to go do the right thing in the right way for the right reason. And uh, so they've every one of those people have turned out to be uh, speakers and authors on their own. And I'm, I'm I'm so proud of them, you know. Uh, you, you get more by letting go. And so uh, good, good advice, you know, that, that I'm still using from, uh, from from Flanagan there. Well, Rick, you I, every time you and I talk, I just I just walk away with more and more and more every time you and I have been on, on the call, whether it's been something specific that I've asked you to help speak into me or just listening to you for the last five minutes talk. And there was a couple of things that I, I just felt were really you – know, I, I use the word powerful uh, on my podcast because these are the things that just spoke to me as I was listening to you. 
And you know, I'm the, the last one I just wrote down that needs to be heard is you get more by letting go. And that uh, coaches, you're out there, you're working with your athletes, you're working with your teams, you're working with individuals. When you make it about them and you let it go and you let them have it, you're going to get so much more satisfaction coming back. That's what I. That's kind of what I heard you say in that one statement. Would you say, Would you agree with that? Oh yeah, exactly. The uh, it's like uh, it goes along with delegation. Uh, do you ever think that maybe? Uh, the biggest risk anybody ever took was delegating and putting you in charge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. And and for them, it was like a major decision. For you, it was like, oh, wow, what a great thing that that I did or what a great thing that's happened to me when maybe that person had stayed up at night going like, man, I, I need to really, you know, get somebody in a place that can – can uh, take this load off of me. Who do I have? And so they took a risk, you know, and put you in charge, and then then you got to shine, and and uh, it was win win win. Uh, you know, the team won, you won, and uh, the head coach won. So. Well, and and this goes to the other point that you made is is you didn't come to this idea of of letting go and and building your team until you were able to answer that question about what are you doing when you're too busy? What are you going to do when you become successful? What are you going to do when, when everything is, is aligning the way that you envision it aligning? And, and that, that question, I'm now thinking into, you know, as I'm with Paradise Valley Community College, as I'm starting to build, building this platform, this athlete of significance platform, I, I, I can ask myself that question. What am I going to do when success starts to show, when success is starting to come into, into the pathway of what we're doing? And that is so important that we ask that questions, and that is probably one of the questions you don't hear very often. You don't hear people asking you, okay, what are you going to do when you get to this next level? It's always, always the questions are, how do you get to that level? And right. so for you to get us thinking into this idea of what are we going to do when we reach that level is a whole new approach to this idea of asking questions. Yeah, what what does success look like, taste like, feel like? You know, uh, you know when when I do vision casting with with teams, you know, can you see them there? And you know, I've actually taken. Uh, I think I did it at Mesa State one time. Uh, we slowly and intentionally walked from one goal line to the net, to the to the other end and we stood there and looked back and uh, we had one person counting the steps and I said you can do this slow you can do it fast but the main thing is that you do it Uh, and uh, sometimes it's not pretty but you're here now what does that look like you know how many how many yards is it how many moves will it take how many how many kicks will it take to get that ball into the net all the way down at the end? Uh, you're, uh, you're a miracle worker if you can stand on one end and, you know, put it in the net by yourself. Uh, don't don't think I've ever really seen that in a game myself, you know, but maybe you have. But can you do it and can you do it again? Chances are not. So, uh, what's, what's your plan 
but what are you going to do when you get down there? And uh, yeah, I think that's one of the things that bothers me about uh, American football is is when uh, the excessive celebration. You know, yeah, it, it's glad that you scored and, and all, but I had a coach tell us one time, "Hey, son, act like you've been there before." Exactly. You know? And uh, so, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 really kind of interesting uh, to. Uh, to to take it with with the entertainment management, I've I've taken a production crews into an auditorium when we had a uh, an event coming up and uh, stood in an empty uh, you know twenty thousand seat auditorium and said we've got to we've got to fill every one of these seats to come close to uh, to making this show break even not to make money but just to break even now how are how are we going to do it but what is it going to look like you know we're going to use the same tried and true methods and until y'all come up with something new but you know who's going to be sitting here and I, we had gone in and set the lights to where uh the the stage had uh had where the the performers would be but we also had the 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 lights set up in the uh, the seating, the audience part. I said, "Who are going to be the people that pay this incredible amount of money to uh, to sit in these first fifteen rows all across the front? Uh, do you know who they are? Do you know the demographics? Do you know how we're going to reach them? You know what does that look like?" And we did that all the way up to the to the nosebleed section, and so they had a physical way of visualizing what it was going to look like uh, with the audience full. And we had used our uh, you know our AV stuff to uh, let them hear what the last concert had sounded like, you know, with all the people yelling for encores and stuff. And I said. That's our goal. I mean, this is what this is what we want to see. This is what we want to hear. Now, you guys got to go figure out how to how to make this happen, you know. And so they broke into their individual units, and you know, uh, I've used that many many times to get get them to see the results. You, it's it's like what Stephen Covey says: start with the end and uh, in mind. Yeah, and uh, so we, we started with an empty auditorium, but by the time they got through with that, you know, ten-minute exercise, uh, that auditorium wasn't empty. It was filled with different color of lights uh, in different sections, and uh, each section represented uh, X amount of people, and uh, their job was to go get them. And uh, so, uh, you just, you know. You use all your tools, you know. Yep, that's great stuff. So you know, as we wrap up this first half, just again, as, as what I heard you say and talking about the first half, is I heard you say number one, let's you know, you, you want to plan for you want to plan for for where you want to go. Have that have that vision where you want to go, but you also have to have a plan for when you get there. And as right. as we go as we go into before we go into halftime and we get to our halftime questions, we want to hear a word from our sponsors. Do you know Jake or someone like him? 
Jake is trying to run a soccer club, and running a soccer club is a lot of work. Our volunteers have big hearts, but the paperwork, registration, phone calls, and customer service can be overwhelming. Jake needs help, and SoccerOffice.com is here to help Jake, as well as all the listeners out there that are just like Jake. My friends at SoccerOffice.com run soccer for you so you can spend time on the field doing what you love, coaching the kids. Connect with Adam and Jamie at SoccerOffice.com and let them run soccer for you. At Volta, we use them for our office support. You'll be glad that you connected with them. Today's recruiting process is getting crazy. College Fit Finder is a solution. Let's be clear. Grades and ability mean nothing if a college coach doesn't know who you are. You need to be proactive. Be relentless. Otherwise, someone else will be taking your spot. If the college coach doesn't know you exist, can they really be recruiting you? College Fit Finder provides solutions for high school students and their families to combat the obstacles faced during the college recruiting process. Volta has partnered with College Fit Finder on our Athlete of Significance Recruiting Education Program. Whether you use College Fit Finder through Volta or contract with them directly, they will provide you with the tools you need to navigate the recruiting landscape. Connect with them today to discuss your situation and the solutions that are available to you. You can connect with our sponsors on our website, voltacoach.com backslash podcast. Make sure to click on podcast details for each of the individual shows. Well, what, welcome back, Rick. And as we go into halftime, halftime is, we like to treat halftime as that, that like very much like a game. As coaches, they, they use the, the short period of halftime that they have to make two or three key points to make sure that there's success in the second half, to make sure there's significance in the second half. So we have a series of what we call speed round questions we like to ask you, those types of, of quick little nuggets that you can give us that will allow us to have achieve that significance in our second half. So one of those is we know that learning is always important for, for people of significance. Can you share with us maybe a favorite book, a favorite movie, or something that you're currently reading now that would be of great interest to our listeners? Yeah. Uh, the, the, the <laughs> shameless plug here. The book that I'm reading now is a, a bestseller that just came out last week that uh, my name is on. <laughs> That's great. Uh, I'm a contributing uh, author to it. It's it's called Threshold, 75 Stories About People Who uh, Had an Epiphany. And uh, it's uh, minus but one, one story. And I have used that already this past week with a, a couple of clients and a couple of, of, of groups uh, because everybody's always looking for a fresh story. And, uh, uh, and an example. But uh, as I begin to think about uh, one of my favorite books that probably has had the most impact on me. There's two. He, he told me one, but I'm going to break the rules. Uh, one of them is uh, Developing the Leader Within You by John Maxwell. That is the book that got me started down the Maxwell path. And uh, it was uh, totally, totally incredible uh, when I realized that the greatest leadership challenge I would ever face would be leading myself. 
And until I got my act together, how could I expect or want or even dream of having other people follow me? The other book is a book that is so common sense. Uh, I, I call it a Nuprin book or a, a, a Tylenol book because when I first started reading it, Chris, I, I would read two pages and I would I would have to take a headache pill. Uh, <laughs> my gosh, every two pages it was like, whoa, whoa, what is this? And it's called The Fifth Discipline by Peter Singe. And um, Peter uh, teaches at one of the, uh, the great schools of business, but he gives examples of how we begin to master things. And uh, we begin to, to look at what, uh, what Peter tells us in that book that uh, just makes so much sense that you begin to to look at things in a different way of why things happen and how we cause them to happen. And uh, there's lessons about leverage, how you can take a player. And I, I've done this with my, my daughter, uh, and it's, called, it's an exercise called leveraging. And uh, when she was at Texas A&M, uh, she's got her doctorate now, but when she was an undergraduate at Texas A&M, uh, she got balled up in this, this class. And uh, I said, so what is the real problem? Draw a big circle there and put the name of the problem in it. And I said, so what's causing that problem? And she said, well, I think it's such and such. And she drew a, another circle. And uh, you, you use the principle of you got to have a pretty big lever uh, and, and fulcrum, but it doesn't take a big fulcrum or a stick to move a small rock. And so what happens is you leverage uh, that down. And so finally we got down to the smallest rock that was hanging her up, and it was that uh, that rock that hangs up many of our students that are, are busy in other aspects of campus life, and, and it was it was a time organization uh, yeah. using the time that they had to get done the things that they needed to do and learning to set priorities. And so instead of uh, it being a, uh, a class and some pre-vet class that was eating her lunch, mammalogy or something like that, uh, it was uh, easier for her to sit down learn to make a schedule and follow it than it was to and eat the whole uh, course on, uh, no pun intended, but eat the whole course on, on mammals. And uh, once she figured out the key to effective uh, use of time, uh, then a lot of her problems went away. And so um, he, he talks about leverage. He talks about a lot of things and that, that book gives example after example of of how you do it. Boy, what are the rituals that I follow every day? Uh, I write, I think, I encourage, I study, and I share. Those are the things that I seek to do. Uh, I talked to my father um, when he was living, and uh, 
uh, he was a simple man that, that had it uh, had it down and he told me he said the secret to my life and even the day that he died he said my, the goal of my life is to teach somebody something new to make someone laugh and to learn something new myself I, I, I learned to do those daily things and then uh, it's uh, been, been a, a mentee of John. He has the rule of five, and so uh, I've made mine five with uh, write, think, uh, encourage, study, and, and then share. Uh, favorite quote? Uh, my favorite quote of all time is by T.E. Lawrence, Lawrence of Arabia. I know it's the world's longest movie. It's four hours and 20 minutes. Oh, my God. Don't go see it at a drive-in movie in the summertime. You'll you'll feel like you're out there in the desert. But uh, one of the lines in the movie is this, is that all men dream, but not all men dream the same way equally. Some dream in the dark, dusty recesses of their mind, and they wake up to find that it's just vanity. But the truly dangerous men are the ones that wake up and they make it reality. And that's one of the longest quotes I ever came across. But when you begin to live it, when you begin to say it, it uh, it does it. And now to be politically correct, I change it from men to not all people dream, you know. Yeah. So, but uh, but that wow. that was his quote. You brought a lot, brought a lot into that, uh, into that halftime, and you know, just I just let you go because there's so much in there that I think can be be shared with our audience and for them to think about as they move forward in their own journeys and working with their own teams, whatever those teams are. Rick, as we go into the second half. We've taken that time and half time to really find out what we need to do to to make our, our second half more significant and come out on top. What I do know is that the that we need to learn how to embrace our failures, to embrace adversity that we've had in our lives. And I know that you and I have talked a couple of times about some of the things you're going through now. You've shared with me some of the some of the where you've embraced that adversity in your life. I'd like you to share with our audience where. This idea of embracing adversity and failure is really the key to personal growth. Oh, and that is exactly where you grow. And uh, the, the minute that uh, I heard about this question that's that, that, that a part of this podcast, uh, I knew the answer. And it's a program I created, uh, oh God, uh, when I was uh, – probably six, seven years in to my speaking. Uh, it was called Basics Training, B-A-S-I-X. And it was the six key fundamentals of event management. And uh, the, the lesson I learned was do not ever fall in love with your own ideas. <laughs> Don't ever fall in love with your own ideas. Uh, this was a program. It was uh, successful. Uh, it took way too much money. It took way too much time. But what I learned from it is uh, when you try to be exclusive and you uh, invite just the top tier of people to learn basic type stuff, uh, that information doesn't get back to the 
to the whole group. It doesn't get back to the grassroots member. And so uh, from basics training, I learned because these were my clients. I mean, this was a special deal just for our clients to come to a special conference, and we did them all over the all over North America. And uh, we thought, hey, it'd be great, and people loved it, you know, uh, because I thought we were equipping them to, to go back home, and it was part of the solution of how can I not have to be out there so much, you know. Well, what I was learning is that they would take about 50% of what they heard and they would go back and apply only about 50% of that. And so they were getting, uh, their, their folks were getting about 25% of, of, of the information. Uh, and so we had long-term uh, negative results from it. And, uh, but I was totally invested with the graphics and the artwork and the, the fun and the team spirit that, that was developed at these conferences. And, uh, one of my co-trainers and it said, you know what we've done? We've fallen in love with this idea and the idea sucks. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so, uh, we're, we're the only ones that, that, uh, thought it was great. And so we, uh, we, we canceled it. I mean, we, we didn't modify it. We just went, this is time. Let's, let's, uh, let's, let's not do it. And, you know, after we quit doing it, we got a few people that said, oh, you aren't going to do it anymore. And, uh, but the majority of people said, oh, I would rather have one of your people reel on my campus for, for three days than for me to have to, try to absorb it all and bring it back. Right. You know? And uh, so, uh, yeah, don't don't fall in love with your own ideas. And so, you know, how many times have you changed your game plan at halftime, you know? And then you got to go out there the second half and, and do it, uh, you know, because if, if what you had planned uh, looked good on paper, but it didn't work, you know, on the field, and as uh, my friend uh the soccer guru says these are, are are not x's and o's there's they're jimmy's and joe's you know uh well maybe jimmy is having a hard time that day and uh you need to use two joes instead of jimmy and a joe you know and uh you need to use the power of the synergy that's on the rest of the team to 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 pull that together so that means changing your game plan and uh not be so embraced with it. Uh, uh, Man, I don't know where to go with that one because there's so much that you just said in, in that statement that can go I, – I can go in a couple different ways with it, Rick, because I, you know, I actually was going in a whole different direction until you mentioned this idea that they're not X's and O's, they're Jimmy's and Joe's, and that there are times that I've got to be able to change my game plan on the circumstances that are given to me. And I, I just did a I just did one of our journey of significance videos on this entire concept that our job as coaches, our job as trainers, our job as 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 leadership experts is to ask the questions to help people empower the people to find the solutions and to show them that they have the capacity to find the solutions. But not only that, they need to understand the situations in which they're dealing with. 
and think about their answers on that. And I think what, what I've just heard you say is so often we get stuck in our own world thinking what is the right way to do it, how to do it, and that that's the way that it needs to be done, and then circumstances change, and we're not willing to change with those circumstances. But sometimes, yeah. as you just said, you know, our ideas and our thoughts suck, and we need to rethink it. Yeah, and other people see it, but we don't. Right, because we fall in love with it. You know? We we fall we oh. fall in love with what we're doing. But I, I can I'd like to take that just you know to go a little bit the other way with that because as as you're talking about this idea that don't fall in love with your ideas and that you know we need to be able to to move on and and go into different ideas. Have you ever found that you get you you get stuck or you stop because you don't think an idea is going to work and so you don't continue to see it through? Has that ever been an issue? Um, yeah, it's uh, uh, it's called quitting too soon, and uh, uh, you know, uh, coming from a Texas A&M family, uh, we we like to say we, we've never lost a game; we just ran out of time. <laughs> you know, and, uh, uh, and and most most people don't don't fail because they don't know what to do. They fail because they quit too soon. And so what happens is we we give up, and uh, we either give up physically, we give up mentally or emotionally, or we give up spiritually. And all of those things are contagious. Because if if I'm playing my position half-hearted, that does uh, one of several things to the player next to me. Uh, they either have to work harder to cover uh, what I'm missing and make up the difference, or they go, ooh, Miller, Miller doesn't believe we're going to be able to do this, and he's better than I am. In my book, uh, so why why should I I bother? And so what happens is, is it's contagious either way. And what you want is never ever quit. You know you're uh, you may give out, but you'll never don't ever give up. I mean that's that's uh, one of Grant Taft from Baylor University's. Uh, great stories about a young man he had that was paralyzed that stood up uh, he was never supposed to walk again but he he stood up at uh, halftime and uh, told his his fellow teammates uh, turn your setbacks into comebacks and they were looking at him he said see what I mean and he he put those gnarled paralyzed hands on the top of his locked down wheelchair and he pushed himself up and he said as as my granny told me uh, when I was a little bitty boy you may give out but don't you ever give up and uh, I think they were playing Clemson at the Peach Bowl that year and uh, (laughs) uh, 35 to 7 I think the score was Uh, Baylor Baylor pulled that one out real well, but you know it's uh, it, it's it's one of those things that you know uh, your your attitude. Uh, how can you say this any other way? 
your attitude unlocks the energy of the inner self that gives you the drive, the ambition, and the, uh, I don't know, the, the magic of being able to play with excellence. And uh, if you don't have that attitude, uh, you're trying to open up a combination lock that, that has no numbers on it, that has no letters on it. You're, you're just spinning the dial. So you've got to have your, your attitude dialed in so that you can open that key so that all the other things fall into place. Rick, if I can sum up the second half from what I've heard you say, is that we, don't, we, we never want to give up. You always got to keep digging. You always got to keep trying. You always got to keep moving forward. But also understand that sometimes you might have to change your direction. And changing direction does not mean that you're giving up. It just means that you're changing direction because the direction you were going was not the right direction. Would that be a great exactly. way to sum up this half? Exactly, exactly. And and it doesn't matter if it's soccer or scuba diving or you know uh, rock climbing. Sometimes if you're climbing the side of a mountain, it doesn't hurt to look back down in the valley and see your shadow on the side of the the the, the mountain. To make sure you're still climbing the right mountain, you know, because when you're so up close to something, you, you you could could have taken the wrong pathway, and you get to the top and you look over there and the summit is uh, not where you are. So, yep, great stuff. Well, let's go into the locker room. In the locker room, I I, I can tell you already, you've left left some great legacy thoughts for us, but the, the locker room is where we like to talk about a legacy, and what I've learned is I've started to study my mentors and, and the people that have poured into my life and have allowed me to start to achieve significance in my own life. I've learned that they are doing so because they are leaving a legacy, and so I want to talk a little bit about your legacy and what you're trying to leave, and so the first question I have in this whole legacy, in the locker room, in this legacy concept is, what are you most excited about you're doing right now? Oh wow, it's 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 working and it's fun. Uh, I've you know just finished this first project, uh, thresholds, uh, seventy-five stories. Got another one coming out on uh, I call them daddyisms. Uh, it's a fifty-two uh, chapter uh, devotion book for young African American males uh, to take them through the year. With a lesson of week, uh, a lesson a week for their mentors to uh, to drive home with. That's being done for the uh, the hundred men, a uh, hundred black men foundation, and that's already turned in, ready to go. And then we're working on another one with uh, some of the folks that uh, we included in Threshold, called Perspective, and uh, that's that that one, uh, boy. Uh, it's, it's going to be illustrated. It's it's going to have some really cool perspective type shots in it, and so it's it's that's it's the fun of creating, and it and it's watching it, and you know uh, what you do in order to grow and keep it fun and keep it working is you, you don't do it alone. You know, take someone with you, and uh, that's that's what's fun about mentoring. 
and as as the the coaches and the parents are out there being mentors is uh it's it's not a solo hike you're taking people with you along the way showing them uh shortcuts but also showing them uh some of the beauty and the awe and the mysticism along the way and pointing out what they just stepped over uh might be what uh something that you you you've never seen yourself but you've heard about it and you just stepped over, you know, the 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 reason that most people go out into the wilderness and, and look at things, you know. And so uh, you look at it, and uh, you know. And I guess the last legacy question I have is, is I try to teach this all the time is uh, again from Peter Singy from the Fifth Discipline is the easy way out usually leads right back in, and so. Uh, Sometimes the folks you're mentoring are going like, God, you're making this so hard. Why can't you just do this? And go, well, we could do that. Uh, can you think of some of the things we might miss along the way? In fact, well, let's try it your way and, and, and see what happens. Uh, because I think if you find out that you take the easy way out, uh, you're going to end up right back where you were. You're going to have the same problem and maybe more. So uh, it's 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 not an easy game, uh, yeah. but it sure is fun. Rick, as we wrap up the podcast, we like to go into the post game, and the post game is where we get to share a little bit about you and give the our audience some resources where they can connect with you and find out more about what you're doing. And, and maybe make that connection with you. Can you share with us where they can reach out to you and some of the projects you're working on? Yeah. Uh, the website that I use is also my credo. It's uh, learn, live, and lead. And so it's learn, live, lead with hyphens, uh, dot com. And... Uh, uh, I, I don't do everything easy, uh, but that that puts my philosophy out there: learn, live, lead. And I know you you share the same sort of of thing that I do on that. And it's uh, it's it's it reminds me of how to stay going on my true north, uh, because uh, until you take the time to learn it, and then you polish it by living it, uh, then and only then can you lead. Uh, others just one parting shot just because somebody offers you to go ride a buffalo doesn't mean you have to do it (laughs) that's another story (laughs) that's great stuff rick i i just thank you for taking the time to be on the show with us today you've really you've delivered like you always have you know every time you and i have talked and i just knew that you'd bring great value to our audience with the stories you had to share and there's so many powerful things that you said today that I hope our audience walks away with that will help them in their journey of significance as they are working with their teams, with their organizations, and in, in their own personal life. So, again, thank you for joining us on the show today. Ah, Thanks for having me. This has been the Peak Performance Mentor Podcast, where each week we look forward to mentoring you to discover significance and realize that your own peak performance extends beyond the field. The Peak Performance Mentor Podcast is brought to you by Volta, where athletes of significance are born. 
Learn more about the Volta programs, the Athlete of Significance recruiting education, the Athlete of Significance coaching education, the Athlete of Significance sports camps, and the Athlete of Significance mission trips at our website, www.voltacoach.com backslash AOS.